Best spot to eat in South Bend. Best spot Chipotle. <laughs> 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 like my junior year. <laughs> I think okay. Malik said the I'll same thing. There's a place named Barocco's Pizza. They're really good too. So. <laughs> right. Hey everybody and welcome to How the Fuck to Be With That Job, the show where two not-so-interesting guys ask interesting people one question and then interrupt them as they try to answer it. Joining us today is Darius Fleming. Darius grew up in Chicago, Illinois and graduated from Notre Dame University where he also played linebacker for the school's legendary football program. He went on to play professionally for the San Francisco 49ers and picked up a Super Bowl win with the New England Patriots. After leaving football, Dave has worked in media relations and sales back home in Chicago. Today, he is in strategic partnerships with one of the hottest companies in the media space, Cameo. Darius, welcome to the show, and how the fuck did you get that job? Yeah, Jake and David, man, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on the show. Um, uh, it's a long story, but, um, you know, obviously transitioning out, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Took a couple of years off, you know, to kind of figure things out, party a little bit, which I couldn't do while I was playing ball. Um, but then um, got into a job at Link, uh, LinkedIn. Super fortunate, uh, first role, you know, great benefits, great company, but really just wasn't enjoying the day-to-day. Um, I knew I loved sales because I'm a talker, love meeting people, love the, you know, competitive nature of it. But what I was selling just wasn't, you know, something I was passionate about. Um, I was fortunate to meet a guy there that moved on prior to, to me, um, to Cameo. He obviously knew my background. He was the guy who trained me at LinkedIn to kind of be a great salesperson. Um, he had a conversation with me about Cameo, and it was just kind of the love at first sight. I knew it was an opportunity that I would, you know, enjoy waking up and doing, um, and that's kind of how the ball started rolling. And you, t- you talk about that love of sales. Was that something that started, like, d- did you know early on, like, when you were a kid, like, you could just talk to people? Um, you know, I think sports alone kind of, you know, puts that into you, but – the thing I love about sales is just, you know, similar to sports, you know, you live and die by, you know, the same sword. If you grind, you work out, you do what you have to do, you'll see the success on the field. Same thing for sales. It's a lot of grinding, but, you know, the more you put into it, the more you'll reap benefits versus if you kind of just relax and, you know, wait for things to happen, you won't have that success. For sure. And, and something we, we talked to a lot of our guests about is we obviously didn't just, your journey didn't start in college, but the first major decision a lot of people make is, picking where to go to school or, you know, yeah. jobs, et cetera. Like, how, how do you settle on uh, Notre Dame? Um, you know, it's one of those things where it was starting to get stressful, man. Um, not to two year on horn, but I was fortunate, you know, doing really well in high school and had a good amount of scholarships. But trying to focus on school, trying to focus on ball, um, while still trying to figure out where you, you know, want to take, you know, next steps. Um, throughout the end of my junior season, I wanted to get it over with. Um, I narrowed it down really quickly. Um, figured that, you know, if I wanted an opportunity to play at the next level, having, you know, my games on TV every week, being televised, just that extra exposure would help. And um, obviously the academics in their game uh, played a big part. Your high school career, was, like, just looking through was was fascinating to me for a lot of reasons. But, like, your school said it was a 7A school. How how big is that? Like, I just growing up in Colorado, we had 5A, and now a 5A school is like, oh, my gosh. So I read 7A in my eyes. Like, <laughs> so typically, what's how many – like, did you go to a co-ed school? That was like – yeah, it, it was like – like, a 5A is usually, like, uh, 1,500. Like, it's probably, like, the lowest 5A. 
Okay, so I went to a private school, um, all boys. We only had about 780 students at the time, but you know, I think there was a multiplier in place just because we were all boys. Um, we kind of fluctuated between six, seven, and eight A. Um, I think now they're in six A, but you know, that was that, that was back then. And it also said on Wikipedia, so this is Wikipedia fact, <laughs> that you were in rodeo in high school. Is that is that true? Yeah, man, I'm a cowboy heart. Uh, <laughs> growing up on the south side of Chicago, I know this is super rare, but uh, my aunt was super into horses. Um, she would pick me up on the weekends. It was kind of like a chore. Um, and then it turned into a, a big hobby and, a, you know, something I was enjoying. I just stayed into it. What, what, did, what did you compete in? What, was like, uh, what, what were your events? Um, I did barrel. I did relay. Um, I did roping. I did pretty much pretty much everything. Um, and this was at a young age. I rodeo from about six uh, six years old to twelve. Um, and then once football came around, I started to kind of you know refocus. Okay. Hey, can you touch on your bowling career a little bit? I'm the best bowler you guys know. Uh, <laughs> um, Bowling uh, was something again. Just growing up in the bowling alley, that was something that my parents did. Um, not having a babysitter, I just found myself, you know, hanging out at the bowling alley a lot. Eventually, as I got old enough, my dad started to teach me, and it was just, you know, one of those things that picked up fast. At 13, um, I went to Junior Olympics in London for uh, for bowling. <laughs> first plane ride ever, flight, first trip uh, by myself, I go to London for bowling. So um, that was an experience in itself. Wow. I, one, one more rodeo question. Do you ever get on a bowl? Or did you ever get the opportunity? No, um, I, I wasn't into that, and I was too young to even think about it. So, not you my. Ever, you ever thought about going back? <laughs> um, <laughs> <Trying> it once. <laughs> during this role, I've started actually some of my some of my clients are um, into that industry. So uh, I thought about it, but I doubt it, man. These injuries, these football injuries, are adding up still. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Shout out uh, my boy John Burrow, who's a bull rider, and and tried to he he got me to agree to it one night after a few too many, and then uh, yeah, next next morning came up, and thank God he had already left at six a.m. So I didn't I didn't oh. have to I didn't have to own up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Might not be uh, closest I can. <laughs> so man, when you're at Notre Dame and like playing football at Notre Dame, you know a lot of people think like. American dream. When you first step up, step on campus, does it kind of feel like all eyes are on you in South Bend? Yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell um, that it's just a different breed of fan base there. Like, you know, there's like, I would definitely say I took it for granted early on. Um, didn't really re- appreciate the tradition. Didn't really appreciate everything that you know Notre Dame had to offer until I was gone, um, because it was it was there you know in front of my face every day. Um, but it's definitely a special place, and you know I'm I'm happy that I chose you know to go there because it's definitely played a huge part in a lot of my success after ball. And the this is something we talked about honestly with Malik Zaire, and I know you guys kind of missed each other just barely. Um, but it because he's somebody too who's who's found success after football and sort of after that platform has kind of left. If you could go back and talk to yourself about like taking advantage of those opportunities that Notre Dame has to offer, especially now with your experience, you know, in 
like not directly in social media, but in the like digital media space, what, what would you tell yourself? Like how, what, what do you wish you kind of would have took advantage of? Um, you know, really just taking advantage more so of the relationships that I've had an opportunity to make. Um, I feel like, you know, you're in a position to meet a lot of people um, that can be very beneficial in your life. Um, and you definitely at times run back into them, but if you would have, you know, fostered that relationship a little better, it probably would have made things a little bit easier. So I think that's one thing. And then just, um, you know, really being open to different things. Um, when I was in ball and you know, in college, I was really focused on that, really not opening my eyes to, you know, next steps. But I think that's something to, you know, hold yourself accountable to and have an idea of like what that might look like. And what, what was your transition like from college to the league? Um, it's tough, man. You know, you're a kid from South South Chicago, not having much. And then, you know, they throw a $200,000 check in your pocket. You get drafted into a city that, you know, has warm weather and pretty girls. And, um, it was definitely a transition. It was something I had to get used to. Um, I was one that always told myself I wouldn't be a Gucci belt guy or a Louis Vuitton, you know, guy, but you know, when you're in those positions and you get that much money thrown in your pocket, um, from nothing, you know, it's hard not to at least try it out. So, um, that was, that was different, but as far as football, I mean, ball is ball. Um, you know, I was able to kind of adapt quickly uh, outside of my injuries, but football was what it was. Um, just to, to go back a little bit, um, back in the college career, like now everything with name image likeness that's going on, I'd love to hear your take yeah. because especially with cameo, I'm sure cameo is going to be one of the first things that, uh, college players sign up for. If you, you know, your women's gymnastics team, okay, I get on cameo. That's an easy way to start monetizing. Like what, what was your, what's your take on it? I love the idea, man. I think that, you know, that takes a lot of the universities out of it, just putting, you know. Um, the student athletes in charge of, you know, how they're going to take advantage of these moments. Um, I think that was the biggest thing is the schools just didn't want to have to be a part of it, which I mean, I, I'm sure people are okay with. But as you mentioned, man, Cameo is going to be a great resource for a lot of these guys because they're huge on Instagram now. A lot of, you know, their followers are a lot bigger than they used to be, especially when I was in school. Um, I mean, people are, you know, college students are verified, you know, their, their followings are above 100K and the engagement they get is crazy. So, you know, being able to utilize something like Cameo early on um, in their college career is only going to help them. We talked about those transition periods. Take us through the differences between the culture that you had playing for with Brian Kelly and then with in, up in San Francisco and then going to New England. What what were those like? I know you were saying ball is ball, but was, was there some culture shift there? Yeah, I mean, you have to, you know, when you're in college, you're you're a young man being lead, led by, uh, you know, a father figure in a sense. Versus when you get to the NFL, you know, these are these are grown men, um, these are jobs, and these are your coaches slash bosses. So there's not much relationships that needs to be built outside of the locker room, um, which is a lot different than when you're in college. So that was something I had to get used to. Um, but you know, and then you, you start to make friends early on, you know, you think this is college again, where you get drafted, you're going to be there with these guys for four to five years, but you soon realize that these are day relationships in some cases. So, um, you know, those things were, I guess the biggest hurdles to, to get used to, but you know, over time, everyone adapts. And I, I read on, on your Wikipedia page that you rescued a woman in a three car accident. Yeah. Can, can you dive in a little more on that? Like how, just set the scene and paint the picture for us? Yeah, man. So headed home. I lived at this moment. Um, this was Thursday. Um, you know, easy day of practice. I think uh, it was around 5 p.m. Uh, the sun was going down. And I literally lived five minutes from the stadium. So I'm driving, texting, probably something I shouldn't be doing. Um, but I just noticed some screeching, like a 
semi-truck just screeching. So this semi-truck, three cars in front of me tried to make a right-hand turn. Um, the cars that were directly in front of me, I guess, didn't um, stop in time. There was just a big pile up. As I noticed the lady in front of me, she was um, looking as if she was trying to get out the car on the passenger side. My first initial thought was, all right, she's switching seats with the person that she's driving with because she doesn't have insurance. And then I realized, that, all right, she's in the backseat now. Um, she can't get out the car. So I get out just trying to assist her. Um, smoke starts to build up in the car and she's like panicking. So I, at this point, unable to open the door, you know, regularly. So I kick the window out, pull her out. At that moment, I realized that my leg is gushing blood. It's a Thursday. We have a game against, I want to say, Kansas City. Um, and I want to say this was playoffs. So obviously I'm freaking out at this moment. I didn't know what the lady's name was. I couldn't tell you what her face looked like. I literally jumped back in my truck and went back to the facility to get treated. A couple of days go by, um, you know, Bill asks me what happens. I kind of, you know, tell the team, everybody's like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. The media gets a hold of the story. They then, um, you know, get me on camera, but there's no evidence, <clears throat> excuse me, that this actually happened. So now they're accusing me of being a, uh, a liar. Um, this is, you know, a year, or this is a few years after the whole Manti Teo thing. So me being another damn guy, it's only like, you know, making more sense to everyone. I then wanted to clear the case. So I go to the, the place where this occurred in front of, I get them to, you know, verify my story. They, the news goes over there and then everything kind of confirms itself. It's crazy that you that, that you had to prove that you were like a hero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was TMZ had they were calling me Flim Tateo. Um, it was it was a big ordeal. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. That 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 makes it, that the next time I think I think about doing something heroic, I'm gonna be like, ah, but then you know, TMZ is gonna. <laughs> you got some evidence. Right, yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be that's the important piece. That's the important piece. Something that really like and honestly just impressed me, like looking at your resume, was just how quickly you transitioned out of football. We it's something like Dave and I working it, so we it's something we talk about day to day. How tough that is to have your identity wrapped around you know one industry that can really be taken from you like that, and that also it's there's there's no guarantee of where tomorrow is. So how how were like pretty much the the question is how were you so successful? Um, I think just, you know, not being afraid of, you know, the change, um, you know, it's inevitable. It's something that's going to happen for us all, um, different for, for others and, and some, but for me, man, um, I really just put 10 toes down. I definitely went through a few opportunities that were terrible, but it, it taught me a lot. There were definitely learning moments in every one. Um, and I, I love where I am now, but I think the whole transition part was really just, you know, it was forced with my injuries. Uh, definitely not something I planned. If you would asked me, you know, 10 years ago, I would definitely be playing football today. Um, and I feel that that would be the case if my injuries wouldn't have occurred so early. But, you know, really just taking it in and, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that you do have while you're playing with the platform that you have um, will, will set you up for, you know, an easier transition. For sure. Absolutely. And then, like, talk about just, like, I want to hear your take on, like, the first time you even, like, found out what Cameo was. Like, what was your first kind of uh, thought with it? And then on top of that, like, getting that opportunity. I was like, man, this cannot be real. Like, how did I not come up with this? Like, it can't be this simple. Like, <laughs> it's a pretty sure, simple idea, yeah. It's super simple. And I'm sure it's, it's something that we've all thought about. And I honestly, not to be funny, but I, I think this this is something that I thought about in the past. But in my mind, I was wondering how how I would look 
convince a celebrity to want to be a part of it. And, you know, now that's your job. Yeah, now that's my job, right? So, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. Um, I love what I'm doing, man. And it's uh, it's crazy that you know I went through what I went through, but it seems to all have made sense, and I'm in a good position now. And your your first interviews with them, what, you know, what what made it feel like a good fit, like beyond just the you know the product. I mean, as they start to explain like what my responsibilities would be, I was like, you know, is this a joke? Like, is that really what my job is? And um, as I got into it and learned more about it, you know, it was meant to be. Like, I feel like when I wake up and I'm calling people, you know, instead of, I love sales. I love the, the you know, the competitiveness of, you know, still trying to convince somebody to join this platform because there is a salesy, you know, part of it. But at the end of the day, I'm not asking for anything in return. So there's not typically a sale in that. It's really just, you know, me introducing something. If you like it, you like it. You're able to, you know, join something cool and connect in this way. But if not, you know, a lot of people start, you know, joining at a later time. But there's not really a, a big no when it comes to Cameo. And, and for, for our listeners, like, what are some of those responsibilities that you have? So my, my goal is really just to get some of our top athletes on the platform, make them accessible to uh, their fan base. Was I'm a big fan of a lot of people as well. And there's, uh, there's moments where I'm like, man, if I could reach out to that person to, you know, wish my mom a happy birthday or, you know, give my little cousin who has a big game some words of advice from Odell Beckham or something like that, that would be really cool. So my goal is just to get those people and make them accessible um, and, you know, bridge that gap of connection. I don't know if you can like divulge this information, but like, who's been like a sale that you've been really excited about, like a bit like a thus far with the company? Um, there's been a there's been a good amount. Um, one of my first uh, big funny sales was uh, before we kind of verticalized because I focus on sports now. But prior to this, I was kind of like all over the place. I got Michael Blackson on. <laughs> He's one of my first big um, you know comedians, uh, super funny guy. Um, so he's he's a good guy. Um, I would say three kill. He just does really good cameos. Um, and then I got, I don't know if you guys know who this guy is. Uh, I didn't know who he was prior to me getting him signed up, but he calls himself Mr. Hotspot. Super viral on Instagram. Funny guy, man. Um, you guys got to check him out after our, after our meeting here and uh, see what he's all about. But I got him on recently. He's been killing it. Fans love him. But it, it really varies. I mean, we got pigs on. We got, you know, actors um, athletes, it's crazy um, the amount of time that we got on the platform now. What makes a good cameo? And like, is is that is that a little bit different than say like a, you know a, a YouTuber or like a, another form of content? Yeah, I think what makes a good person for cameo is really just people that are you know uh, that love engagement with their fan base, that are personable, that are authentic. Man, um, we don't want this to be just any other platform. We want this to be a platform that's going to allow you to to really connect with fans um, and utilize it in a way that's going to help your brand grow overall. Um, you know, this isn't a place that we want people to just you know say whatever, but instead put you in full control of what you're putting out there in the universe and control how people you know view you. And and Cameo is one of the probably one of the only companies that really is just exploding growth wise during COVID, right? A lot of the companies are struggling. Like, what do you guys first? Like, why do you think you guys are like exploding so much? And two, what is the company doing to capitalize on top of that? Um, you know, Cameo is a new autograph, so you know people aren't running up to their favorite people saying, "Hey, can I get your signature?" Instead, they're saying, "Hey, can you take a picture, a video? Can you say hi to my mom or dad?" Um, so really bridging that gap, and with everything going on right now during the pandemic, we're all stuck at home. Uh, no one's able to kind of go to an autograph sign or a parents or a meet and greet or even a sporting event. So 
you know, Cameo is really just giving people an opportunity to still, you know, put some smiles on those kids' faces who are heartbroken that they can't go to those baseball games or, you know, the mom and dad who's, you know, been going to games for 70 years and now that's all come to an end because of this pandemic. So uh, I think that's a lot, you know, to do with our success. And then also, you know, talent are more accessible now. They're sitting at home. They're relaxing. They want to, you know, utilize this time to connect. And that might be for profit or nonprofit, but just a great, you know, opportunity to connect and not raise some money. I love it. Cameo is a new signature. They, uh, you, might, you might have to make that the tagline. They might have to stop paying you a little more. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, David, I don't have any more questions like Cameo-wise. Do you? I know, like, we touched on it a little bit, but, like, just for curiosity, like, in, in, in the name, image, likeness space, is your job about to get, like, 30 times more busy, like, getting all these kids on, like, <clears throat> are you working with colleges yet? Or is that something that's, like, it hasn't been, like, it's still the wild, wild west, right? Like, there's, we aren't sure how the rules are going. So just want to ask you, like, how you're going to, like, kind of bridge this situation. Yeah, um, it's not a focus right now um, with all the, you know, restrictions and regulations around that. We don't want to put anybody in a compromising position. Um, but once, you know, once the floodgates are, are down, um, you know, we're going to we're going to definitely you know have an opportunity to connect with them. I think that they're actually going to start coming to us more so. Um, there are a lot of be a, a lot of outreach on our end. If I was in high school and I knew that there was an opportunity for me to get paid through, you know, or college and have an opportunity to get paid, um, then I'm sure that you know, having an Instagram or Twitter for for revenue share would be amazing. So um, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great for, for that um, for that market. And also, man, like I'm just saying, like that's going to allow these kids to have branding opportunities, like in college, straight out of college. And, you know, as you get on the field in certain sports, you know, jersey sales are huge, right? The more fans you have that are uh, that love you because you're sending their son, their daughter a happy birthday, that's jersey sale. I look at you know more opportunities just these videos. Dave and I would be, I I, I think we'd be doing this whole platform a disservice if we didn't like address every like you know what's going on around this interview yeah. right now and like what's going on in the world and just you know protest about systemic injustice and. I think the same attitude that David and I have approached pretty much everything with this show, we don't know a whole lot. Um, so that's kind of where we're the, where we're coming from with this. The, the first kind of question I had in, in relation to this was, you know, everybody focuses on a lot of people have been saying, you know, the world needs to be more like a locker room and there needs to be more of that comfortability. I, th- I thought that you might have some like insight into that and the, you know, what is about a locker room that makes these kind of conversations like a little bit easier or makes that makes those lines that, you know, or that walls that kind of build up between, uh, you know, races in a conversation kind of disappear. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, man. Um, and and that's, you know, that's you being vulnerable and telling, you know, being completely honest and saying, look, like we don't know. Like and that's that's OK. And the thing is, with that is. You know, by you saying that, that opens up a door for me to educate you or your friend to educate you or someone else to educate you in those areas. And that's the biggest thing is really just educating yourself, finding ways to learn and then holding yourself accountable to teach people around you. Because we all know people that think differently, like not saying that you or David are racist in any way, which I'm sure you guys aren't. But I'm sure I know racist people. We all know people that think differently than us, which is not a crime. But we also understand that there's a problem here. So if we are not, you know, um, you know, just posting on Instagram, a black screen, but instead reaching out to that friend that we know 
has uh, offense to, you know, this or that, and we know it's wrong, then we're doing a disservice to ourselves by not saying something. So I think, you know, that's the biggest thing that I look at here is really just finding ways to, to help, you know, educate more people on the problem and how we can help you know, get everybody on the same page. I appreciate that, man. And I, I found that I found the education part, like the education part with the internet, like, you know, that's just kind of like a, a matter of effort. Uh, the harder part, I guess for me personally, like I'm, I'm even just, I'm with my family right now mm-hmm. and like we're having conversations about it. Mm-hmm. And even amongst family, there's sometimes where, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're yeah. at a loss for words or it's yeah. tough to start. Like, and I, I, I don't even know, like, if you'll have the answer, but like, what, what are some ways to like, just start talking or like, what's yeah. Um, I mean, I just wouldn't be afraid. I, I don't know if you have like, you know, any you know, African-American friends or black friends that you feel comfortable enough to say, Hey man, like, you know, this is, this is my family wants to learn a little bit more about your culture. We want to learn about how, how we can help, but we don't have answers. We want to know if we can hop on a call with you. If you're comfortable with answering some questions for us, teaching us some things about, out, you know, you know what you're dealing with on the day to day, like what we can keep our eye out on, like just things of that nature. Don't be afraid to do that because that that means more to us than you not saying anything and trying to figure out things on your own. Because as you mentioned, the internet can only do so much. It's a lot of false information there. You're not going to get the perspective of how I feel on a day to day on Google or Wikipedia. So, you know, that's something that you're interested in learning about. Don't don't hesitate to um, to ask. I'm not saying that every person is going to be open to answering it, but you know I would think it would be a disservice to yourself for not putting the effort to try. For sure, that's usually helpful. And that I mean, just I guess a like shout out to the people that I have reached out to, you know, with questions and uh, like my black friends have been super responsive with that. So I guess if anybody anybody out there is scared like I've, i honestly i was like hovering over the send button for a while with, with my thumb like <laughs> yeah and don't you know don't don't feel like this is a moment where you have to reach out to every black friend of yours and be like hey like i'm with you you know i feel you don't you know we appreciate it but at the same time um you also don't want the kid you know think about this little scenario where it's a kid who's been you know in school for six months He's been wearing glasses and everybody starts to compliment him on his glasses. But then he looks in the mirror and he's like, I've been wearing these glasses for six months. So some people definitely feel that way as if like, you know, what makes this so important now? Um, but at the same time, I love the attention that it's bringing to people and making them aware of the situation. So um, I'm not saying don't text every friend. I'm just saying like, you know, be cautious of what like you're sending and, you know, Think about it yourself. If if something was going on, you might not necessarily want every you know person to reach out to you and just seem like it's kind of generic in a sense. I saw like Emmanuel Acho put out that eight minute video and like I was glued to it, just kind of listening to his perspective. And, and on top of that, just some there's things online. I know like Free Mercy was a movie they that Warner Brothers was like, hey, you know, this is educate. This is honestly an educational movie. Like here it is for free, and they're giving it to free for everyone in the month of June. Um, so I'm I'm glad that there's some. Um, kind of just spotlight on it, but we appreciate you for kind of opening up and to us and to to our listeners about you know the situation at hand and how, how to move forward and how to you know make it better. Of course. So we started doing uh, little quick questions at the end. We we used to call it the lightning round. Now my mom didn't like that name, so now we named it after her. It's the Michelle Miller quick question round. Okay. Uh, <laughs> She's got sparkles with braids on it. 
yeah, she <laughs> until until somebody puts the bag on our doorstep. That's uh, <laughs> she's the official sponsor. Yeah. Um, David, you ready? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off. Uh, person you'd most want to sit down to dinner with? I would say Kobe Bryant. Nice. Favorite city in the world? It's tough, man. I'm gonna have to go hometown, Chicago. Is it okay to sleep with socks on? Not a, not even close. <laughs> Favorite romantic comedy? Romantic comedy. I'm gonna go with a. Uh, oh, I uh, love basketball. Well, I guess it's not a comedy, but no, that's his. That's his. Top three linebackers ever: Ray Lewis, um, Erlacher, Ray Lewis, and I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with a new boy. I'm going to go with Von Miller. Nice. Best spot to eat in South Bend. Best spot Chipotle. <laughs> 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 like my junior year. I think okay. the league said the I'll same thing. There's a place named Barocco's Pizza. They're really good, too. So, <laughs> right. uh, Bill Belichick's one flaw is? He has no flaws. <laughs> In 40 years, what are people going to be nostalgic for? Instagram. That's a good answer. We haven't heard that one yet. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Sandwich. What's the most underrated thing about Chicago? I would say the – I mean, I guess I can't technically say beach, but the lake, man. Like, our water our water here is, is nice, man. We got a nice little scenic downtown right off the water. Like, it's underrated. <laughs> Go-to quarantine snack? I would say sour gummy worms. Solid. Uh, Super Bowl trophy, heavier or lighter than we think it is? What's interesting is I probably held that thing twice, and uh, I couldn't even tell you how much it weighed. Uh, <laughs> times I held it, I was like still like you know in a day. So, but if I had to guess, I would think it was definitely heavier than I expected. Okay. In 2030, you can catch Darius Fleming blank. Oh, golfing, um, probably uh, top golf course, Amsterdam, England, somewhere out there. There we go. There's, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people uh, find you? You can find me on Instagram at Fleming58. You know, um, if you need anything, Cameo, uh, just reach out to me. I have my information on my Instagram as well. But appreciate you guys having me on the show, man. This is awesome. You guys got something great here. And I'm super excited to see this in uh, future episodes. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Can't, can't thank you enough.